Hi, I'm Wayne Hines and the pastor of Grace Church Australia. Thanks so much for checking out this podcast. We hope it is inspirational and it equips you to make known the name of Jesus. You can stay connected with us during the week by going to gracegathering.online. All right, so since last time I shared with you, church, um, I've had kind of a, a yearning in my spirit it's just been sitting in there and I've just had been, not anxious, this isn't the right word, but it's more of a yearning in my spirit to want to share again with you that what God has been speaking to me about. And um, it's just been sitting there. So I've wait, been waiting for the perfect time, God's timing. And so today it is um, part of Missions Month. So the last couple of um, weeks we've been sharing about missions. And so the perfect timing is today. So he has a message for you today. Amen. For those who are in the room with us now and also those who are online. Um, so that's just where we're at. I know, I just, I just get a sense, I don't know whether to stop or to go this morning that God wants to say and do something. And I just want you to stop and I'm just going to pray. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that we listen to your voice, to what you want to do in this service this morning. I bless your people in the name of Jesus, that they would have ears to hear, eyes to see, and an open spirit. We thank you for your Holy Spirit just resting upon us this morning. I thank you, Lord, that today is the day of salvation. I thank you, Lord God, for what you want to do in and through your beautiful people of Grace Church. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So as I said, we're in Missions Month, and um, this is week three. For those of you who have been in church for a long time, undoubtedly would have heard a message um, using this scripture. So Matthew 28, 19. Um, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And no doubt if you've been in church any length of time, you would have heard a message on that revolving around missions, that we're all called as believers to go um, into and to make disciples of all the nations and baptising them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, it wasn't where I wanted to start, but it's where God wants us to start this morning. And I didn't set out to write a message on that. (laughs) That's where the Holy Spirit led me this week. Um, So that particular scripture we know as the Great Commission. So after Jesus' resurrection, after he died and rose again, he gathered the uh, 11 disciples on a mountain in Galilee and he instructed them about this core principle, this scripture um, that in Matthew, to go, he tells them. So one of the first things that he tells them is to go and make disciples um, of all the nations. And so, as we know, it's called the Great Commission. And it's kind of one of the core principles he said to the disciples after he died. He rose again and then he spoke and he told the disciples this particular thing. And so if that was really important for Jesus to, to speak that scripture or to speak those words straight away to his disciples, then it's something that us as believers need to find important in the same way. Okay, so it's a core principle that, that um, Jesus' disciples of the day were called to do. Okay, but it's also a core principle that we need to also follow as believers. Okay, so I want to talk a little bit about that today. 
um, that Great Commission. So um, it's really at the heart of missions um, because it actually reflects the heart of the Father that none should perish. Okay, so Jesus gives that, that command, go and do this. He instructs them to go and do this because it, it's the core thing behind the heart of our beautiful Abba Father, our beautiful God, that none should perish. Amen, and I'll go into that a little bit more now. So John six thirty eight to 40 says, For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will, And this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of all those he has given me, but that I should raise them up at the last day. For it is my Father's will that all who see his Son and believe in him should have eternal life. I will raise them up at the last day. So Jesus commissions his disciples. He gathers them at Galilee on the mountain. He commissions the 11, because we know that Judas... Um, betrayed him and then hung himself. So he gathers those 11 disciples that had been with him the whole time as he walked on earth and he instructs them, instructs them to go out into the world and make disciples. So as he instructs, instructs them, um, the commission that he gives them, okay, is to go and make disciples. And once that's ha- that happens, to go and make disciples. And those disciples are to go and make disciples. And those disciples are to go and make disciples in a never-ending, never-ceasing pattern. That is how the kingdom of God is multiplied, church. As we follow that great commission that Jesus instructs his disciples, go and make disciples then they go and make disciples. And it is how the kingdom of God is multiplied. That is how revival happens in an area, church. I know our hearts are to see revival happen where people are transformed by the power of God and to see people's lives changed by the love of God. But that only happens if we go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. And those disciples have the heart of the Father that none should perish and go and make disciples. That is how we see revival, how areas, um, geographical locations are transformed by the power of the kingdom of God is when we do that multiplicity. So church, as followers of Jesus today, as his disciples, we need to follow that pattern too. That's how we should be wired in the same way, to see that the kingdom of God multiplied in that way. But sadly, somewhere along the way with our Western culture, as followers of Jesus, we have become church-bound. So Jesus told his disciples, go and make disciples, go and make disciples. But in our Western world, in our Western culture, we have become church bound. We have been consumed with the culture of church within the confines of a building. Instead of being followers of Jesus. Now, as a follower of Jesus, you are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and you have the authority of the name of Jesus within you 
So you are called to go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. And that authority has been given to you by our beloved Saviour, who we worshipped this morning. Our beloved Saviour, Jesus, has given you that authority. So the church has been caught making Christians comfortable, even though the spiritual war has raged on. We've been comfortable for too long, church. I'm not just talking about Grace Church, I'm talking about the worldwide church. So personally, I love being comfortable. (laughs) I love being comfortable in my home. I'm a homebody. I love it. So if I'm at home and I'm just wasting hours away pottering around, (laughs) I've got kind of, you know, mentally on my door, I have a do not disturb sign. I'm actually really comfortable pottering around doing my own thing at home. Don't come anywhere near me. (laughs) I'm happy. Okay. Um, But that lifestyle is not going to see souls added to heaven. I can be comfortable and say, yeah, just closing off to the world now and pottering around. And that's okay. You can do that. Okay. It's okay to do that. But it's not going to see souls added to heaven. And it's not going to fulfill Jesus' instructions to go and make disciples. So as a follower of Jesus, I need to constantly make a choice. How uncomfortable am I prepared to be? This is true. It's true for me. And it's true for you as believers, for any believer. How uncomfortable am I prepared to be? Now, the answer to that question can only be determined about, um, based on the intimacy that you have with Jesus. So if you are really intimate in a personal relationship with our beautiful Saviour, If, like we sang this morning, you are worth it and I will give you it all. If that relationship is there, then you're prepared to be really uncomfortable. Because the kingdom plans and purposes are above all else. If we're kind of a little bit away from God, or we aren't walking as closely as we should then it can be harder to go, you know what, will I really give that up? Or would I really step into something that I really don't want to speak in front of people? (laughs) So it's determined on how close you're walking with Jesus, that intimacy. Is Jesus everything to me? Am I going to step into that even if I'm uncomfortable? You're uncomfortable now, aren't you, church? (laughs) Give me a wave if you are. So over the last two weeks of Missions Month, as I said, this is week three, God has appointed two messages. And we know Wayne's shared the first week. He has um, anointed um, these two messages. We didn't realise what he was doing, but he is doing something. He's speaking. So um, he's speaking about prepare the way of the Lord. So Wayne shared on 
go, pray and give, and it was around John the Baptist. And then Terry in the second week spoke on prepare the way of the Lord and the life of John the Baptist, okay, and her message was around that as well. So when that kind of thing happens, we know that God wants us to listen, where we don't, um, if we continue on a theme, the different speakers and God's saying this, God's saying it, prepare the way of the Lord, prepare the way of the Lord. And this morning, that's kind of where I want to head to. Um, church, right now, we are standing in a season in the world, okay, which is so incredibly interesting and exciting, If you've been keeping the word of God close to your heart daily and you've been keeping an eye on world events that are unfolding around us, then you would have an expectation in your spirit that God is on the move. If you're listening to what he's saying through his word and messages and praying and seeking him daily, and you're seeing what's happening around you and you know your Bible, then you'll know there's a sense of expectation in your spirit that God is on the move. Because when things start to um, happen in the world, we think, wow, all of these negative things are happening. We know that in the opposite, God is always doing something greater. God is always doing something greater because he is creator of the world and he is always doing something greater. So that expectation in your spirit, you should be getting a sense in your spirit as Pastor Stephen shared this morning, that we are in the last days before Jesus returns. There are things lining up in the world that the Bible talks about that Jesus is returning. Amen? And it's an exciting and interesting and a little bit scary all at the same time. But right before our eyes, these things are lining up. If you're staying close to God, you'll be hearing his spirit. And if you keep your eyes on what's happening in the world, you'll be seeing these things line up. So although scripture tells us that no man knows the day or the hour upon which Jesus will return, there is definitely that spiritual expectation. It's an expectancy in the air that God's plans are on the move. So like John the Baptist, whose life mission was to prepare the way for Jesus to come, that was his life mission. We learned that last week from Terry. We, as the church, his bride, his disciples, are to be taking this season seriously in preparing the way for Jesus' return. John was called to prepare the way for him to come to earth. And in the same way, we as the church are to be preparing the way for him to return. And we get caught up in the clouds, and I'll share about that a bit later. But we are to be in the same way that John was preparing the way. We are to be preparing the way now for his return. Now, does that mean I go all doomsday prepper? (laughs) Or become, ah, overwhelmed with panic? No, because that's not God's ways, is it? You can be prepared, but doesn't mean I go over the top. It just has that spiritual expectancy that our beautiful Saviour, who is so in love with you, is coming back to get his bride. 
It means we need to keep our eyes on the bigger kingdom purposes of God and individually we need to step out of our comfort zones and each person's comfort zone is different. We're all at different levels. We all struggle with different things. You wouldn't... If you've known me for eight years, if you'd known me as a teenager, I would not be standing here speaking to you. But I had to step out of my comfort zone at some point. My face would go bright red. I just didn't have the words. I'd forget what I was going to say. But at some point, I had to step out of my comfort zone and say, God has called me to speak. I was always on my report card. (laughs) Talks too much in class. (laughs) I knew it was there, but during my teenage years and and university time, I would hardly say boo to you. But look where God has positioned me. And my heart, that's what I had this week, this yearning of I want to share the gospel. I want to share the truth. I want to speak. That's that yearning inside of me that Jesus has put there. But I had to, at some point, step out of my comfort zone. Amen. So each person's comfort zone will be different, but their willingness to be uncomfortable is the common denominator. There's that question again. How much am I prepared to be uncomfortable? Am I willing to do that? Now, I want you to think about the person who led you to the Lord. I want you to picture them in your mind. For some of us, it's a very long time ago. You have to go back. (laughs) Um, It may have been one-on-one. Or it may have been from an altar call where you came forward and gave your heart to God. I want you to think about that pivotal moment when someone told you about Jesus the Saviour. Have you got them in your mind? Now, I want you to take a moment, just as you picture them in your mind, to contemplate how thankful are you that someone stepped out of their comfort zone to share the good news of the gospel with you? Because I guarantee you it wasn't always easy for that person. They had to have a heart, a willingness to step out of their comfort zone to tell you about Jesus or to, to be at the front and, to, and ask you to come forward for an altar call. But if it wasn't for them, you would be facing eternal death. How thankful are you for that person who stepped out of their comfort zone and gave you the opportunity to receive the most precious gift of eternal life. For me, those people were Jim and Laura. Jim and Laura are Americans and um, they visited us one time when we were in Cam Close. They visited us and it was really exciting because they led me to the Lord. They're Americans who I met while on a youth exchange in the States and they invited me into their home as a young university student. It was part of a youth exchange and I stayed with them for two weeks in their home 
And because they didn't have, uh, they had a young family at the, at the time, the boys were little, two little boys, they couldn't actually go. So Wayne talked about that in his message, you can go, go out into the mission field, you can go. And some of us have done that overseas. So they didn't have opportunity to do that because they had two little boys at home. So what they did was invite students from all around the world into their home. They couldn't go, but they invited students at various points from different youth exchange programs into their home. And that was their mission field. So I was one of those bright-eyed, bushy-tailed young university students. And what I remember about my two-week stay with them was that I was loved unconditionally. Here were these people that I'd just met, but they loved on me. And um, we did regular family things together, and they took me to church, and I saw Jesus in them, just by the love that they poured out in the same way that our beautiful Abba, our beautiful God, pours out on us. And after a couple of years, we just kept in contact, kept visiting them, and after a couple of years... Um, on one of those visits, I met Jesus, my saviour. I was 21 years of age, spring chicken. <laughs> I'd just finished university. I was newly married and then my whole life changed. I met Jesus. It was con my life was completely transformed by the knowledge of that God was real. I remember the moment when I felt the scales lift from my eyes and that all I thought of was, all that I had thought of from university, from days before that and in my newly married life, all I thought about was, if God is real then everything I thought about is not. Everything I know is not the same. And I just remember my, the scales lifting from my eyes and thinking, wow, if God is real, then what? And so I was 21. You know, that's 21. You're at the start of your life, newly married, finished uni, and everything that I thought was real or important at that time no longer had significance because God was real. And that revelation shifted everything in my world. It was like my brain kind of did a double take. If God was real, then what? If God was real, then I ha now I have to live a life to make a difference. It needed to matter what I chose to do. So as a brand new Christian, I didn't really understand all the theological reasons or doctrines supporting this. I just knew that if God was real, then I, just, I couldn't just take that for granted. I just remember it so clearly where my eyes felt like the scales lifted off and I went, whoa. If God is real, then what? So if you're listening to this message this morning online 
or here in the room with us today, I want to throw out the question to you. If God is real, then what? If God is real, then everything in the natural is temporal and should not hold weight in my life. This is one of the, the first things that I kind of thought about. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 18. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. The word temporary in the Greek is kairos. Now kairos is a season, an amount of time, opportunity, a favourable moment of time. And I found this definition really interesting because it puts our life here on earth into perspective. Our physical time on earth is just a season. It's an opportunity. It's a limited amount of time. So what we do with this season of time is important and we need it to be purposeful. In contrast to temporary, as we just read, um, that that limited time, we understand as believers that God's times, uh, uh, that, that things of God are eternal. So we have temporary and we have eternal. Now the word eternal in the Greek is aeonos, time without end, perpetual And we see life here as past, present and future. So when we're living here on earth, that's how we see time. Past, present and future. But eternal is all of these. Eternal life operates simultaneously outside of time, inside of time and beyond time. So as believers, we should be seizing this limited time on earth. It's a limited opportunity, church. This season we are living here on earth is a limited opportunity. It's temporary. And we should be using this limited opportunity, this season of time, and we should be sowing into the eternal, the eternal things of God, the kingdom of God. Temporal things should hold no weight in our lives because eternal is time without end, meaning there is no second chance for those who are not saved. Temporary is opportunity. I love that it has that connection. An opportunity to see people reach for the kingdom of God. But once temporal is over... There is no opportunity and that time has passed. The second one, if God is real, then I have received a precious gift which I should humbly share with others. Ephesians 2 verse 8 to 10. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, 
created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. As believers, we need to recognise the gracious gift that God has given us. It's so precious that he would woo us into a relationship with him and offer the gift of his son so that we may be saved and have eternal life. It is such an amazing gift, a precious gift. If it wasn't for God's gift of his son, then we too would not be in a position of salvation. We need to keep our hearts so soft because if it wasn't for that gift, you too would be right now, if you're a believer, you too would be in the position of eternal death. We need to recognise that it was a beautiful gift and we want to give that gift also to go and make disciples, go and make disciples, go and make disciples, that none should perish because that's the Father's heart that none should perish. In the same way that you are his beloved, he wants everyone to be in that same position, to receive his beautiful gift. And we need to have the humility to recognise that it's a gift from God and not something to boast about. And that's what that scripture talks about there keeps our hearts soft and open to sharing the gospel with others. If we walk around, oh, I'm saved, I'm saved, that's good. But do we, do we have that soft heart? Is our heart open to want to say, oh, I'm saved. Do you want to know about Jesus too? Amen. For if it was left up to us, we would all fail at keeping the law. We can't keep the law. That's why we receive Jesus as our gift. The next one, if God is real, I should carry the Father's heart for the unsaved in this world. John 3.16, a well-known scripture, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that everyone who believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So as believers, we need to be sowing into the eternal destinies of the people around us, whether that's family members, whether that's work colleagues, whether it's friends, neighbours or strangers. The Father's heart is full of love toward them and we should see them in the same way. Even if in the natural, they seem unlovable. We know some of those, don't we? <laughs> Even if in the natural they seem really hard to get along with or they're unlovable in our, in our natural eyes, we still need to sow into their eternal destinies. For we need to clearly understand that the very opposite of John 3.16 occurs if people don't accept Jesus as their saviour. That everyone who does not believe in him will perish and have eternal death. If we look at that in the opposite. We know that scripture really well, church. But the opposite happens for those who do not receive Jesus. So when I was a brand new Christian, as I shared, and Wayne was not yet saved, it took him five years later, 
This understanding of people's eternal death used to bring me to tears constantly. I had such a sensitivity to that revelation when I was first saved. I would almost plead with Wayne, but don't you know, don't you understand? And I would be constantly in tears with that revelation that my husband, my family and my friends would be going to hell if they didn't accept Jesus as their saviour. It just was such a sensitivity to the Father's heart. And church, we need to carry the Father's heart in the same way today, that none should perish. If God is real, then Jesus is coming back for his people. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 to 17. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive, his church, and are left and are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Church, this is something to be excited about. As I shared earlier, this season of this last days, we can see things unfolding in the world events. But we may feel a little, ooh, do I, don't I? <laughs> but God is ultimately... Jesus is ultimately returning for his bride, the church. And it's exciting because he loves us so much that he would return and take us with him. So church, like John the Baptist, we are in a temporary, limited amount of time before the return of Jesus. And this temporary season, this opportunity that we have... It's a limited time, this opportunity, I love that word in that it's part of the definition, is a preparation time. Prepare the way of the Lord. Prepare the way of the Lord. Like the allotted time that was given to John the Baptist, it's a preparation time. So John the Baptist came before Jesus, prepare the way of the Lord, prepare the way of the Lord, then Jesus came on earth. In the same way now, his church is preparing the way for his return. He left the Holy Spirit with us so that we could be about our Father's business, go and make disciples, baptising them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, preparing a bride, not a small bride, preparing an overwhelming bride where none should perish. And he will return for his, ch his church. As Jesus' church, a body of believers across the world, we have been allotted time on this earth to prepare the way for the Lord's return. The Bible tells us clearly what events will happen in the world leading up to Jesus' return. And if you continue to read your Bible, you'll know what's going to happen. And keep reading it, checking it, reading it. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, that happened, right. <laughs> keep reading it and checking it. It's from the very first book of the Bible that we are made aware of God's kingdom plans and purposes. God has wanted since the beginning of time, beginning of creation, to have intimate relationship with people. 
and his kingdom plans and purposes, are made, we are made aware of those in the Bible. And throughout, throughout the entire Bible, we read prophetic words and prophetic patterns that have continued throughout history. They're patterns, again, throughout generations, again and again, because he wants every generation to understand his kingdom plans and purposes. The people, places and events may differ from generation to generation, but those prophetic words and patterns remain the same. God has continued to call out or set apart people from the temporary world that we live in so that his eternal plans and purposes can be fulfilled. Some examples of this are Adam and Eve were set apart in the Garden of Eden. Noah and his family were set apart. Abraham was set apart from his family. Isaac was set apart from Ishmael. Jacob from his twin brother Esau. Joseph was set apart from his brothers. Moses was set apart to lead the Israelites. The Israelite people were set apart from other nations. The tribe of Levi was set apart as priests. Joshua was set apart to lead the Israelites into the promised land. David was set apart from his brothers and appointed king. Elijah, Elisha, Esther and Daniel were all set apart for the God's plans. John the Baptist was set apart. The disciples were set apart. Jesus as the son of God was set apart. And as the church, you and I, you have been set apart from this temporary Set apart for such a time as this. John fifteen nineteen. If you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. We are in a temporary opportunity right here, right now, church. You are not of this world. You live in the world, but our hope is in the eternal, not in the temporary. The events of the world will unfold as the Bible states. We can try to sugarcoat things or maybe coast along, pretending we still have many generations left. We can go around with the mindset of, let someone else worry about it. And I've been at that point sometimes too, or I like to be comfortable. But this is not fulfilling the role of the church in the world. I wanted to just have a look at this slide now. So the first arrow pointing up <clears throat> was when Jesus died on the cross and he came back to life. Jesus' ascension, we know it is at a period of time, Jesus was um, talking to the disciples and then he returned to heaven. So that's Jesus' ascension. The second box there is where we are, church. We're in the church age under the new covenant of grace. It's a temporary time. And then Jesus, as I read earlier, the dead in Christ and the church's ascension, we will meet Jesus in the clouds and he will take us away and we'll be taken off the earth now, the interesting thing is, church, that when the salt and the light and the Holy Spirit that is in within the church 
is taken out of the world. And we stay with Jesus in heaven for a season. The Bible talks about that. What is the world that is left going to be like? When all the good that God puts inside of us as, this, as the salt and the light in the world, what is life on earth without the church going to look like? It's kind of a scary thought for those who are left behind. And God's heart is that none should perish. At a later time, Jesus and his bride, those who have chosen him, who are are believers that have been caught up in the cloud, those that are dead in Christ, and those that have accepted him and his bride will return and reign on earth for a season. You can find out all of that in the Bible. But going to go in it today. And then Jesus and his bride will reign on earth. And what an amazing time that will be. When the spirit returns and our saviour returns and reigns as king of kings on this earth. Matthew 24, 36. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. So as the church, as followers of Jesus, we need to be about our Father's business. And we need to remember to invest in the eternal things, church. The eternal things in this temporary life. Now for us as Grace Church, God's been talking to me about this again. In the, um, over the past three years, he's been giving us this vision Transform our community in the name of Jesus. And he spoke to me about that through the week. If we continue to do that and sow into the eternal kingdom, then we do that till his return, then we're doing what he's called us to do. We want to see our community transformed in the name of Jesus. By the power of the Spirit, there is an eternal transformation from life, uh, from death unto life. And it fulfills the same prophetic word and pattern as Jesus gave the early church. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Our mission field, church, you can go to the far ends of the earth, or you can go to the corner shop in Morissette. The mission field is the same, that none should perish, but everyone should have eternal life. Amen. To hear more podcasts from Grace Church Australia, make sure you subscribe and stay connected by going to gracegathering.online.